Good morning and good afternoon. This is Veteran Lucas, and welcome to the Poke Science Podcast. We hope you are having a fantastic day, and with me is our current host, Cameraman Chris. Wham, bam, pow! Time to spice up this bland, normal podcast with a brand new, exciting one where we talk about normal types. Okay, dropping the bit, you sound like every 90s ad got thrown into a blender and then mixed with, like, spiced rum. Jeez Louise, man. Oh, my Lord. I I am a child of the 90s, so I I am speaking my own language here. Sir, this is a Pokemon podcast. 90% of us are children from the 90s. And then we get the occasional preteens who enjoy our show about with the Prairie Dog stuff. That was my favorite review we've got, which is like, talk about more Prairie Dog stuff. But We have a far-reaching audience, and the Prairie Dog fans are definitely wanting more content. Yes. So uh, this episode, we actually were reading through the iTunes list of um, reviews, and someone said, do one on normal types. And I was like, we can't do one on normal. Wait a minute. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. So and I was like, this will give us a chance to talk about ones that we would never talk about because they're really hard to find common themes other than the fact that they're normal types. Exactly. It's the perfect dumping ground for things we don't want to talk about. Let's do it. Cue the music. So, science news, Lucas, I have heard that there is some update in what we know about dire wolves. Yes. So, thanks to popular media like Game of Thrones and even things before that, people have always known about dire wolves. Basically, these much larger wolves that went extinct tens of thousands of years ago. It was originally thought that these wolves were super close cousins to the gray wolves. But... Uh, a group of scientists from around the world started doing research on DNA that was found through different museum sites and fossil sites, and they were able to discover that the dire wolves were more separate than anything. Uh, it was complete; they're com- they're almost completely separate from the gray wolves. So they had to uh, kind of rewrite what we originally thought about their relation. Turns out, instead of being related, what well, they are related, but just much further, further down the line. And they just happen to look very, very similar from the fossil record and from the remains that we found that were preserved. So it just goes to show you, you can't, even though something looks a lot alike, it might not always be related. It's just another case of convergent evolution and the wolf body form just being really, really good for the North American environment and the European environment. So science changes. Hooray. Well, and I I also saw that like, it wasn't even so much like, just were they related or not, but it was like they realized that it was the environment that they would be in would be is completely different from what the gray wolves would be in. Yes. Like they're like warmer climates. Uh whereas like if you think of how we thought of dire wolves before is you everyone has that image from like Game of Thrones and big wintery climates. And based on what I'm seeing these scientists say, it's like, no, it's actually they're much more like much warmer, a lot warmer than that. So it just goes to show you that even though we have this solid idea of them living in the cold north with the fighting the White Walkers or what have you, it's just like, nah, son, I'm going to be living in that carnivorous forest a little bit lower south where we get some sun. I'm not going to the Arctic. I hate that nonsense. And the fact that we found it from fossils and stuff that we already have, it wasn't some like brand new discovery where we unearthed it like, behold, this thing. It was like, okay, let's go back. Let's review the information we have with some of the new stuff we have. And I think that's something more museums should do 
with different collections because that's how we learned that platypuses can glow in the dark under UV light. That's how we learned how certain birds contain venoms and toxins in their feathers. Like by going back and examining the fossils with new technology and a new mindset, we can discover, we can rediscover stuff and we don't even have to pay to like go to Guadalajara or whatever random place on the globe has the fossils we need. Yeah. Um, the, the, the quote from the scientist is, we were pretty comfortable with that assessment for 150 years, the assessment being that they were related, uh, as their similarities in their skeleton suggested, but genetics have revealed that, that they're only very distantly related, splitting from each other around 6 million years ago. Just completely like blew up the notion of what we thought. Mm -hmm. Oops, our bad. But hey, move, moving, you know, you got to move forward. Figure it out, move forward. Mm -hmm. Science is not as static as people think. We'll get into that later. Um, so Pokemon news. Uh, what do you, I mean, I got my thing. We've got, we, well, let's, we've got some big fish to fry. So let's knock out the, the small thing first, which is probably the lamest community day that Pokemon Go is putting forward in uh, Roselia. Hooray. They even knew it was lame because they're giving it two community day moves, a fast and a charge move, which they have never done before. It's like, sorry, here's your plant. That's for February, everyone. Get pumped. Yeah, there's that. So that's the kind of quick little one-off news. But, Lucas, it feels a little hollow do, talking about this news without Don. Yeah, the next bit. Like, Don had some connection issues and he couldn't be with us. But I want everyone listening to know he is with us in spirit. I am a lesser man for talking about it without him. And I accept my failures as such. Pokemon Snap has a release date. April 30th it has been announced. And I know I'm I'm excited beyond all reason. Everyone who was born in the 90s is, but... Get hyped. You can pre-order yours as of, what, yesterday when they announced it? Yeah, it's like, you can pre-order it starting now. Now, pre-order it yeah. now. Do it, do it, do it, do it. <laughs> it looks really cool. I know we've talked about doing some special episodes around, like, nature photography. Yes. When, when that comes out. So we'll have... Well, now that we have a date, we can actually start planning that. Yes. But I think that'll be good. The game looks gorgeous, at least from the very brief video we've seen. Yeah, though the cutscene parts of it we know look amazing. I mean, I got burned by Cyberpunk, not going to lie, so I'm not going to pre-order it. But I think it's going... I mean, I've already seen people online going like, oh my gosh, this looks so much better than Sword and Shield. I'm like... Yeah, you give an extra gear and more polish to anything, it's going to look better. And again, it's a smaller game in scope. It's also a different game. <laughs> yeah, it's entirely, yeah, completely different stuff. I, I honestly think it's it's going to be great. It's going to be a lot of fun. I really hope that the newer fans can enjoy it. Obviously, we are blinded by 90s nostalgia. But again, this game has such a special place in our hearts. And again, in the world of social media, it is more relevant than ever to take random pictures of Pokemon and share them with your friends. Back in the day, you had to print that thing out. You had to go down to the Eckerds. You had to go and get it printed. You had to go and show with your friends at school. There was a whole thing to it. It was a whole tradition. It's going to bring back even more nostalgia than was already brought back for me. <laughs> the one thing that kind of disappointed me with it, Lucas, is it feels like they're trying to sell us on a third type of giant Pokemon. I saw that at the end of Meganium. We had Megas, Dynamax, Gigantamax. Is this another type of giant and the only difference is that it glows? I'm just going to like, I'm imagining the boardroom. It's like, what can we do? Just one, just guy sitting in the boardroom chair, bigger. But 
But sir, we already made them bigger. It, is it glowing and bigger? No. Well, then do that more. This is your this is your platypus moment where the, the professors in the game put them under put meganium under some bioluminescence and oh look it glows in the dark. Oh, would you look at that? Huh. Again, this is all part of the whole 25th anniversary. We are going to be getting a lot, and I mean a lot of stuff coming this whole year, including merch, including games. I mean, there are certain rumors. Let's not talk about them until they're confirmed about certain games coming out. But it's going to be a, a wild year for Pokemon. And to wrap up the news, speaking of wild stuff, apparently they're going to be doing a lot of musical collaborations. And you saw who they picked, uh, one of the artists that's helping out, right? The one, the only, Katy Perry. I mean... As I posted on Twitter, weird flex, but okay. I mean, I'm not against her in any way. So I'm just going to freely offer these up for collaboration. Uh, there is Intimidate with Incineroar. Like that? You, that's free. You got that right there for, for nothing. I've never felt like canceling this podcast so much <laughs> when I did now. <laughs> I will, I will refrain from doing my fireworks song because yeah. I will only sing once per podcast. I am not as talented as Don. No, for me, it's like, okay, here's they said they have other artists. Here's my list of artists. Like, Lucas, the Beastie Boys aren't together. Like, we'll put them together. <laughs> we'll figure it out. How about that? Lucas, I don't think DMX is going to want to do this. <laughs> There's going to be no theme between any of these artists, and I'm going to love every second of it, as long as they get Weird Al Yankovic. I mean, that would be a pretty good one. I just like, hey, guys, look what I found. It, is that Metallica? Yeah, they're into it. <laughs> we just brought them along. They should bring in every musical artist that they have based a Pokemon of. So basically, Gene Simmons. <laughs> Gene Simmons. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh, that would be great. I, I think it's kind of, we kind of had a lot of news. But again, it's going to be a big year. So expect these news things to pile up over a while. It's going to It's going to be a whole thing. So... I think it's time we get into this perfectly normal, nothing out of the ordinary, everything's fine podcast. Okay, so before we dive into the subject matter, Lucas, we seem to have a recurring, it, it, it takes, it has to happen twice for it to be a pattern. Mm -hmm. yes, I think yes. that's how the expression goes. Yes. But so we have officially circled my first time, my first appearance on the podcast when you all added me into the mix. Mm -hmm. Yes, fun times. Fun times are had. Lots of apples. It's been a crazy year for mm -hmm. a lot of reasons. Uh, but uh, I think in keeping with that tradition, we are here to welcome uh, a new a new host oh, uh, yeah. onto the show. Are yeah. we not? Yes, she is awesome. She is talented. And she <laughs> has been a big part of our lives. Oh God, she's, no, get back behind the stage. Get behind the curtain, stop laughing, you're ruining the illusion. Why did you ruin the bit? <laughs> Lucas, we are very excited to to welcome Madison to the show, are we not? Yes, Principal Madison, come on out here, tell the people who you are and what you do. Hi, it's nice to be here. Um, do you know why they call me Principal Madison? Tell the people, I don't know. Because I'm here to school you boys. Oh. Uh oh. Ooh. No. No. <laughs> no. Hi. Thank you for having me. So I'm an educator and I notice you guys need someone who has social sciences background. Kind of can fill that role. Diehard Sailor Moon fan. 
I actually run another podcast. I run a Dungeons and Dragons podcast. It's about to drop next month called Flaming Dice. Oh, it's it's amazing. I am probably the worst DM ever, not like in ability, but in the fact that I spend half the night laughing. We play on Thursdays and we'll be live on Twitch coming to you 7 p.m. Eastern. I'm a mom. Uh, I do a lot of charity work and my favorite Pokemon are Sylveon, Espeon, and Primarina. That's a good that's a good crop. Good crop right there. Solid bunch, solid bunch. So to dive into the subject matter, Lucas, when we were talking about this, we were trying to figure out what exactly to talk about in the science section. Uh, and so I guess the, the general question is what would a normal type be in our world? So in our world, it really does depend on what you look at it. Again, normal types in the game were like built as the baseline. It's the only type that isn't super effective against anything else. It's the second most common type. It's it's a strange thing to really think of it because if you think about the typing, it literally covers everything from rats to God. Like it's it's a French type. It's all over the place. It's like you can either be a rat or creator of the universe. <laughs> but if you wanted to say, let's say, let's use our world. Let's say, what is the most common living thing on the planet? Like, let's go with normal types. That would be bacteria. Bacteria would be the normal type. Do we have a bacteria Pokemon? I, bacteria would be an amazing Pokemon. Is, is Deoxys, bacteria or is it Deoxys DNA? No, Deoxys is a, um, a virus. Like, it's a virus. Yeah, they're yeah, different, it's a virus. yeah. Right, right, right. Okay, I couldn't remember which what it was. But if you want to scale it back, because all normal types, for the most part, aside from the legendaries, are based on most common animal, then that would be arthropods. So bugs. Um, specifically with ants, if you lowball ants, like the lowball number for how many ants are on the planet is somewhere around ten trillion. Well, that's ironic, Lucas, because there are, are there any normal bug types? No, there ain't. The bugs get their oh. own type. There's a bug type, so the most common animal, or the, yeah, it would be isn't even in there. Well, isn't even in the typing. Okay, so what about what about then like animals with backbones? So okay, if we use that, then it turns out to be a certain fish called the bristlemouth fish, and this has been something we've noticed as we've been trawling the bottoms deeper and deeper, looking for stuff. Every time we put a net down in the bottom of the ocean and we see what we pull up, it's usually some of these, like a whole bunch of them. There are thought to be trillions of them living down the deep ocean, being part of this thriving ecosystem. Um, these are probably the food source of a lot of different animals. And again, they just keep pulling them up. It's like, oh, what did we find? Did we find some amazing weird creature from beyond the depths? No, we found more of these little freaky fish with long teeth. It's like, Dang it, throw them back. I do not like the look of these fish. If you're saying backbone, it's a fish. What about backbone animals that live on land? So on land, uh, chickens. <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, thanks. that's because we helped them out. But there's one estimate that puts to about 24 billion chickens on the planet. Okay, wait. So I'm not going to lie, though. Anytime someone says chicken, did you ever see the Ali G show? I did not. There's an amazing episode where he goes to a farm and it's one of those like Chinese hairy chickens that have like the hairy legs. And he's like, what the is that? And like just freaks out on the whole farmer. It's like one of the best Ali G moments ever. <laughs> okay. But like chicken, I always thought though, like normal types were like, just like basic mammals. Cause I thought like most of them in the games are just kind of like mammals, right? Like uh, rats. Well, no, cause flying types are normal too. Mm-hmm. It's weird. 
Could there be I mean, a folklore tie? Like, like when you think about like the mammals that aren't normal, they have relations to like an actual folklore, right? So like Growlithe and Arcanine, you think of the, the statue dogs. I can't think of the name right now in China. Could it just be that these are mammals where they didn't have any mythical inspiration? If you wanted the most common mammal, uh, that's, that's humanity. Like humanity has about 7 billion of us. I mean, if you wanted to count all the rats on the planet, we could also give it to the rats. Would you like me to give it to the rats? Well, yeah, because I mean, that would fit though. If you were like, ma- like not so much the most common as in population, but most common as in species variability. Or distribution. Oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah. Uh, if it's by distribution, then it's humans, also- Humans are all interbred with like, neanderthals and habilis and all that like we're not like that diverse of a species right but if we talk if we're going by diversity you are correct if we talk about expansion then us because rats don't live in antarctica unless humans live in antarctica that you know of have you checked lucas they they swim miles through the ocean and they chew through steel you leave them alone they can swim about a half mile (laughs) that's about it half mile straight which is pretty great. That's pretty good. I can't do that. Okay, wait. So what about the normal types that became fairies? We alluded to this in our news section, but there was great controversy in, in the Pokemon world, if you will. Uh, I think it was what? Gen 5? Gen 5 was fairy types? Gen 6. Gen 6. Oh, yeah. Gen 6. That's when I got my baby, Sylveon. So in Gen 6, there was a sort of reshifting where a lot of normal types... Um, Became fairies like Jigglypuff when the game first launched. All the cute ones. Jig- it was a lot of the cute ones. Uh, but Jig- Jigglypuff shifted from normal to normal fairy. Uh, Clefairy Clefable went straight fairy. Yes, yeah, Snubble and um, Granbull got to fairy. I like to think of it as this like this this reckoning in the Pokemon world where you know they had to reshuffle what they knew about the world because all of a sudden there's this new type out there and it's not just. They discovered new Pokemon, but the Pokemon they thought they knew fit into this different type. And Lucas, I know that you talk a lot about this. Yeah, back when I worked with zoos and aquariums, this was something that would be brought up a lot. People would come up to us, and not in like an angry, it was just that question like, hey, I was taught this as a kid. Why is it different now? This is something that happens in the poorly named hard sciences. You know, your physics, your chemistry, your biology. Think of poor Pluto. Poor Pluto. (laughs) Well, yeah, the Pluto thing gets brought up a lot. It's like, well, how come Pluto's not a planet anymore? The Brachiosaurus, Brontosaurus debate. Yes, yes. All of these. And people get like, well, why is this? And it causes, which makes me really sad, this distrust of science. Do, Do you think it's because people have a lack of understanding of like what the scientific method actually is? We aren't taught it as well anymore, or we weren't to begin with. People, people in our world, especially in this day and age, we demand yes or no answers for everything. There is no room for nuance. There's only room for yes or no. There's comfort and certainty. Yeah. Like, like, like simplistic ideas tend to take hold, especially during periods of hardship. I would expect there to be more of a desire to have certainty and push back on change because that's like neuroscience shows us that. But I think that's important to understand is that 
it's not like all doom and gloom. There are ways to actually help with this and how we teach the scientific method. Think of it instead of like a built in a slab of stone. It's constantly being updated by thousands of people and it's being checked and over and over going. My advice to anybody is whenever you feel like, well, I found this study that changes my thing. Good. Go find three more. And not just the ones that you like, not just the ones that are similar to what you think. Yeah, so if we are, let's say, let's use the Pokemon style. Let's say if there's somebody who's upset, like, my Jigglypuff is a normal type. She has always been a normal type to me. And it's just like, she's still your Jigglypuff. She's just going to, you're just going to have to, she's going to notice a new move. You want to see something cool? Put your Jigglypuff in front of a Dragonite and watch the Dragonite run. I mean, Dragonite's still going to beat the crap out of a Jigglypuff, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's true. But the fact that the Dragonite is going to wince, can you even imagine like a time at, before sixth generation? If you had gone back in time and told fifth gen Lucas, hey, hey, guess what? You're, that little, uh, that Gardevoir is going to destroy every dragon type it comes across. I'm going to be like, uh... uh who are you? What do you want? Hey, you take it back. Gardevoir was bomb. But all right, I so mean, back to our normal types. Um, <laughs> as we've gone way off topic, I see. We're now we're now into a fairy episode. Yeah, <laughs> uh, let's just skip it. Let's go back to yeah. fairies. Let's um, let's let's steer this. Let's let's get this back on track. So, Lucas, in summation, science is ever changing, and just because it changed from something that you were certain of, you know, just you know, verify and and think about think critically about you know your the studies you're consuming. Always verify. All right, so let's go on. We're going to talk about normal types. Let's carry straight into the Pokemon. Yes. Yay. We're starting out with, is it the biggest Pokemon? No, nope. not even close. Not even close. Oh, biggest Gen, biggest gen 1. Nope, still not. Still not. What? Gyarados is bigger. Gyarados is bigger. Gyarados heaviest. Is bigger. Heaviest uh, in Gen 1. It is, I thought Golem was heavier. Oh, nope. No, it, it's definitely Snorlax. Oh, no. I just completely ruined this intro. We're talking about Snorlax. Oh, one of my favorites. He's so cute. When you look at him, what do you think of? I think of bears. Uh, my neighbor, Totoro. Okay, so we got bears and Totoro. So first off, Totoro. It's not the god of death. I hate that. If I hear that, I want to reach through and slap people. Like, not a thing. It, it really does relate into to Shinto, believe so what Totoro is, you know, like, I know you guys have talked a little bit about that on the show before. Kami, you know, like the larger spirits, sort of like the grandoi, the, the grandiose world. And then yokai, spirits of individual things, you know, like smaller scale. And that's where the inspiration for Totoro comes from. Because like the tree itself would be Kami, but Totoro, like Totoro's in a gray area. But yeah, Miyazaki's inspiration for this film and so many others, like clearly comes from Shinto. And I think, I think like for Americans, when we try, like I, I, we all have heard that like conspiracy theory, right? Totoro is the God of death. And they all like, no, like you're clearly looking at it from your lens and not the lens of the actual creator or their culture. Because Totoro, like the story does fit into Shinto culture where you're like, oh, maybe this actually is a thing. <laughs> but yeah, I'm going to agree with Chris here. Like there's a lot of people who think it fits to a bear. So here's why. Oh, yeah. It hibernates and it gets into a food coma. <laughs> I mean, like mm -hmm. that's 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 bad. That's me too. I eat a lot of food and then I go to sleep. Yeah, I mean, not to mention the the color design, but it's also similar size to bears. Like it's it's about seven feet tall. So I mean, that's about the size of of several species of bears. However, 
I think of cats. He's lazy. He sleeps all day. He only gets up to eat. Do you have a cat? <laughs> I do have a cat. My cat does not sleep all day. My cat wakes me up at three in the morning by yeah, jumping they, on my bed. Yeah, they, of course they wake you up at three in the morning, but what is he doing at two in the afternoon? Sitting on my desk because I'm working from home. No, I, I'm, I'm just messing. No, cats, cats sleep a lot, especially <laughs> in sunny spots. Yeah. Um, so I think of another Miyazaki film. Do you ever heard of um, Whisper of the Heart? I've heard of it. I've not seen it. Oh, um, well, don't watch the English dub unless you're with children because it has a terrible version of John Denver in it. Don't ask. Um, but the follow-up to Whisper of the Heart, The Cat Returns, there is a character that like literally, besides the color scheme, like just makes me think of Snorlax. Like the slanted eyes, the ears on top, and just sleeps the entire day. <laughs> Fat, eats all the time. And I love Mukta, I do. But I don't know, like, I, I can see the bear, but I, you know, I think you guys have said on the show a lot that a lot of times Pokemon don't have just one inspiration. They got multiple. And would I, would I argue that, like, it does steal a lot from Totoro's color scheme? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, it, it must certainly Hey, can does. I copy your homework real quick? Okay, don't make it obvious. Lucas, I have a, a, a science, a science question for you, if you will. Yes, my thing. In the Pokedex, it says that Snorlax doesn't feel full unless it eats nearly 900 pounds a day. Oh, God. And I think I saw in another entry that it basically eats till it's full and then goes to sleep. So how many Snorlaxes can exist in one space knowing how much that they eat? Depends on what their, their primary consumption is. So if they are consuming leaves, then they would have to be similar. Like, do you understand how much 900 pounds of food is? Like even whales are going, to, whales consume similar amounts when they're gulping down whole chunks of fish. Like that's, that's a ridiculous amount. And you bring up a really good point. When it comes to a lot of Pokemon, they talk about how destructive they can destroy a mountain and how many can live in one single spot. With a Snorlax, I would imagine that if one put itself near a town like that, it would more than likely try and eat almost everything around it. Every berry, every Isn't shrub. that like that in the anime, right? The um, the Pomelo episode, right? Eats all the, all the citrus. Yeah. <laughs> without my calculations, like, in front of me, without me, like, running the math in my head, let's just say bad. Like, it, there's no way two of these things can exist together in the same spot without them competing for food. And have you seen them shoot hyper beam from their eyes? That's scary. Is there a game, though, where they've ever existed near each other? Pokemon Go is what I was going to say. Yeah. yeah. Go does not count. You be quiet. Separate ends of the of the island and separate ends in Kanto. Yeah, like that, they always have to live in two separate areas. Well, in Kanto, Kanto is based on the greater Tokyo region, the Kanto region in Japan. Like, that's a huge area mm -hmm. anyway uh let's go to the next one this one also falls into the category of the i don't know when else we would talk about it so we're talking about it now <laughs> we're talking lick a tongue the tongue itself yeah so lick a tongue every name if you go through like the names of them in different languages all involves lick or the word tongue in whatever language uh in japanese it's a uh, Beruinga, which refers to the sound uh, beru, which is the sound they use for the word lick. Whereas we say like things like lick, lick, lick. It's beru, 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 beru. Like it's the sound that they'll use for it. Now, lick a tongue obviously has the whole, its whole design was just someone said, make a tongue, put it in something and have it walk around. Because this thing is ridiculous. <laughs> That's the weirdest 
description for Lickitung you could have. Weirdest and probably the most accurate. The tongue on this thing is a biological marvel. Like this tongue is not only long, it's not only sticky, it's prehensile, so it can be used to grab. In the Pokedex entry, it says it's better at using its tongue than its other limbs, and the tongue is toxic, and it's almost seven feet long. If Lickitung weighs 144 pounds, how much of that do you think is its tongue? Uh, I would say if the height, yeah, there's at least a good half of that that's tongue. With um, the saliva is what really freaks me out because the saliva seems to have two things that it can do. It, the saliva can cause paralysis or it can cause a rash and itch that never goes away. Before you comment on like the biological thing of why this is crap or whatever, have you ever been licked by a two-year-old? No. no. Okay. Okay. Well. I have, like earlier today. When that happens, you freeze. You don't move. <laughs> <laughs> Adorable two-year-old humans aside, the only animal on the planet that comes close to this is an anteater. The anteater has the longest tongue to body ratio of any animal on the planet. A lot of people shout out, chameleon, chameleon, it can use its tongue. But the chameleon's tongue, while sticky, isn't prehensile. It's ballistic. It fires like a gun out of the mouth. It's not meant for grabbing. It's meant to just shoot, stick, pull it back in. It's a fascinating piece of biological engineering. Cool fact about the anteater, though, uh, to digest the ants, they don't have stomach acid. So what they'll do is that they'll use the ant's own toxin after grinding it up with rocks in the stomach to dissolve itself. So it's ants dissolving more ants, which is just my favorite anteater fact. That sounds like... An ant horror movie. Yeah, like uh -huh, ant dissolve ant. That's like that's that's the, that's the myth the ants tell the little baby ants to like scare them into behaving right. Like you better be good, otherwise you're gonna be digested with all your friends inside this monster's belly. <laughs> oh my lord. Um, as far as the whole paralytic go, again, aside from adorable baby two-year-olds, there is no paralytic saliva that I know of. So if anyone asks me what Lickitung is, just as long as you don't say chameleon, I'm cool with it. Because again, it's almost whatever you, it's just something they made to be weird and it works and no one uses it in fights and I'm sad because of it. Anywho, next up, um, the surprising entrant to the Smash Brothers community back in the 90s. Uh, we have Jigglypuff and Wigglytuff. Uh, Madison, I'm going to leave this one to you. Is it a balloon? Is it a bird? Is it a plane? No, it's it's weird. <laughs> so here's what I think about Jigglypuff and Wigglytuff. I'm going to go on a rant. How does it evolve? Moonstone. I just had Yeah, we just had a thing about it on uh, the last lecture about the Moonstone is weird. Well, is it though? Like, let's think Gen 1. What things evolve from a moonstone? All the rabbit Pokemon and then a cat later in Gen 3. <laughs> yeah. Gen 1. Clefairy, Jigglypuff, Nidorino, Nidorina. Is that it? We know Clefairy is related to the moon, right? Like there's a whole yeah, thing. Yeah, whole thing. Okay, but what if, what if Jigglypuff is related to the moon too? Oh, I, I think I know where you're getting. So I know you guys have talked about it before, but I mean, I think it's the moon rabbit. Especially if you look at Wigglytuff, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wigglytuff is the moon rabbit, right? Those big rabbit ears. <laughs> and it falls to the moonstone. So if you don't know the moon rabbit, it's depicted in several different Eastern cultures. I mean, like literally all over Eastern Asia. 
everywhere from China, Japan, India, Korea, Sri Lanka, Cambodia, Thailand, Vietnam, Myanmar. I know there are several like cultural festivals in Vietnam that are based around the moon rabbit. There's so many different versions of it. So like one of the big ones is that it's a companion of the moon goddess, um, Chengi. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. I hope I do. You know, it like it, it, it has the, the, the bowl, the stone bowl, and it's pounding the either an elixir of life for making like rice cakes or it's impounding like mochi, but usually it's making some sort of food or medicine. And it's like making like, which includes what's known as the moon cakes, which are a cultural dish. The other thing though, is I know you guys talked about um, the moon rabbit and its relation to journey to the West. And, but there's like so many other stories around this creature and so, like, in the Buddhist Jataka tales, there's a story of a monkey, an otter, a jackal, and a rabbit that practice charity on the day of full moon. And they believe that, they, you know, if they show this virtue, they get reward. And so an old man begs them for food. And, you know, like, the monkey gets fruit. Otter gets some fish. Jackal gets a lizard. You know, all things that you would expect those animals to provide, right? So the rabbit doesn't have anything to provide. So instead, it offers its own body. And throws itself into the fire and the rabbit's not hurt though and the old man reveals himself to be um sakura sakura i hope i'm saying that right he's he's the ruler of one of the buddhas or one of the buddhist uh, heavens and so like he's touched on it and he draws the likeness of the rabbit on the moon for everyone to see and so this ties into what's do you guys know of oh, i'm gonna say this word wrong too peridolia interpretations i can explain what it is i can't say the word i would just go straight to the explanation yeah just jump to what you're good at okay so what it is is um our face or our brains have tendencies to perceive objects as patterns that they aren't so we look for patterns of things we know faces it's kind of like why you look at a car and it looks like someone's face the headlights and the bumper like our brains have this pattern recognition that is useful for survival but unfortunately it becomes so over generalized that we tend to apply it in instances where we shouldn't so people over centuries have made interpretations that on the near side of the moon they can see the outline of a giant rabbit and i think though you know with the moonstone and the fact that it's found at mount moon like there's no better fit you've got you got me yeah, and one thing to really help your case, in the latest deck century for Wigglytuff, it describes Wigglytuff's hair as heavenly. So, yeah, they're in your face. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Hey, Madison. Look, one of the look. immortals. <laughs> yeah. It, all glory to the immortal Wigglytuff. <laughs> the immortal Wigglytuff. Yeah. Oh, things I never thought I would say. <laughs> I, I, they're, using, they're using the term heavenly pretty liberally at, <laughs> with this. I don't know if I would describe that hair as heavenly. I've seen that episode where it slapped me out. It was pretty heavenly. Well, that is honestly the best explanation we could have asked for for this thing. Uh, do you know why Jigglypuff ended up in Smash Brothers? Was it because it was just easy to program because it's left over at Kirby? <laughs> Correct. Yes. This oh, okay. Well, that's reason. it. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, oh, yeah, it's like, oh, this is easy. Uh, we want to put a Pokemon. Ah, throw the Puffball in there. It'll be fine. That looks like Kirby. Got it. Oh, it- <laughs> It's like how Ganondorf is basically Captain Falcon in Melee. Oh, yeah. yeah. They're just like, yeah, it's you know close enough, but 
people care about Zelda. All right, so the next one, though, and this Pokemon just came out of nowhere back in Gen 3. We didn't just, it doesn't have any reference to any animals. It's the whole reason there's a debate on sound types in Pokemon, and that is the whole Whismer line. There's no sound type, guys. Get over it. Like, sound is a qualifier. It's a qualifier. There's no sound type yet. No. <laughs> Stop it. So, the reason I, I wanted to bring it up, honestly, Wishmer and its whole line are horrifying. And so Wishmer starts out, again, it, the Dex talks about how it, it murmurs, it's very soft, it's very, it doesn't say much. But then when you freak it out and it screams, it can hit 100 decibels. To give you an idea of how loud 100 decibels is, that's a jet taking off. Yeah, that that's really loud. Like, I used to be a musician. That's, like, stupid loud. Well, it says it's as loud as a jet, and a jet is actually closer to, like, 130 decibels. Oh, okay. So the hundred is like distance. Yeah, but it's still pretty loud. A uh, hundred is like a uh, motorcycle, I believe. Oh, okay, okay. Still pretty loud. It's oh, it's it's extremely yeah, loud. It's not like gonna destroy your car, but that's still loud enough that exposure would damage your eardrums. Oh, and that's the smallest form, though. It can get louder. Loudred and Exploud can start like ripping apart houses and earthquakes. Use of sound as a weapon is something militaries around the world have used. There are weapons that people use for anti-riding measures. There have been sound weapons that use specific notes that can drive people crazy and make them just horrified to be around. But using sound as a weapon is something that dolphins have been doing. Uh, orcas specifically can use blasts of sonar to stun fish. And just like dolphins, uh, these Pokemon are capable of communicating with softer sounds as well. So I think it's a really unique Pokemon. And the fact that Wishmer is found in a cave makes it all the more terrifying. Imagine going into that cave and freaking one out having it scream, then all the others start screaming, then it reverberates around the cave. There should be like a locked like rock in front of it of being like, do not go in there. And then your ears bleed and you pass out and you are never seen from again. It's strange that in a world, in the Gen 3, you have monsters that can blast every volcano and flood the world. But honestly, that cave is the most terrifying place to be in the Hoenn region. Well, I think I think the most terrifying thing about it, Lucas, is in the, the shield entry, it says, when it cries, it scares itself, making it cry louder, and then it cries till it's tired and falls asleep. I mean, have you ever been around a two-year-old? Again, I ask this again. <laughs> I'm tired, so I'm going to yell, and my yelling is making me tired. I can't. I I think that Pokemon just doesn't know science. The people who work well, there. I think they know it, and then I think they know when they're just going when they're leaning into design over science. <laughs> oh, you think you think someone is like purposely over there, like oh yeah, just screw screw the laws of physics. There's there's someone like Lucas who's like you don't understand. This isn't biology, and they're like yeah, but it's cute. Shut up, Japanese Lucas. Get back to work. Now, Lucas, the last one. Oh, <laughs> no one loves you. No one loves this thing. Like, this is, I mean, Adino. I thought it was Audino, like audio. I've always pronounced it Audino with the, but, you know, you pro both of you know sound better than I do. So, Audino, we'll go with that. So, Ken Sugimori did an interview. The man himself said it, that he made this Pokemon specifically for Nurse Joy. Good, she needed it. Anywho, so again, this doesn't have any basis in real world 
animals. It doesn't have a base, and it's just designed by the Pokemon. But the feelers on its ears can unwrap and it touch things to sense vibrations. Uh, from those vibrations, it can determine uh, the health and conditions of patients. And that's something we see in medical science with um, we, whenever we're trying to do an ultrasound, we use sound to determine the health of a patient. So that's something that is based in real science. Um, some compare it to a rabbit, which like it's sensitive to, with its ears. Um, I honestly would compare it to something closer to a spider. I don't think that's what they were going for. Yeah, it looks like a rabbit. It looks kind of like a rabbit. Sorry. It looks like a rabbit, honestly, but its abilities remind me of a spider. So it's probably got to hunt. It's got to look for food somehow. And wandering spiders can are so good at telling vibration, they can tell background noise like rain from a prey. Imagine feeling the ground and being able to tell between the raindrops hitting the ground and a beetle skirtling along the sidewalk. Like that's, that would be, that's amazing powers that a Dino has. And even if a Dino is feeding on vegetation, imagine being able to feel the tree and feeling just how many grapes or how many berries are up there for them to feed on. I think Adino's potential is limited by her field in healthcare. She could have been a terrifying force to be reckoned with. It's a healer. It's the perfect healer. That's what it was trying to build for. It was supposed to be the best healer you could have on a doubles team. But again, I mean, Comfey came and then everything was fine. Everything is great here now. God, I love that thing so much. On that note, let's head, let's head to the wrap up. Yeah, wrap it up. I came all the way from Japan for this maniacal nonsense, and I could not be happier. And you stayed for all the mom jokes. We knocked out a bunch of ones that would would not fit into virtually any other episode. We could have done a sound one and gotten into the sound debate, Lucas. I mean, we can always bring it back. Honestly, Principal Madison, it is so nice to have you on this group. Oh, you, we, we did desperately need someone who knows about social science because for me, it is all about nature is cruel and terrifying. Let's learn about it. Anyone who follows you on Facebook knows it's true. That, yes, that's I mean, nature is cruel and I love it. Uh, for all of our listeners, you guys made this episode happen. You did this. When you post it up and ask us to do stuff, we try and do it as best we can. We want your input because it makes it more fun i would have never thought of doing a normal type episode like this if it wasn't for you guys so thank you thanks for this you did this i don't mean to make this sound like a threat but you did this <laughs> if you if you enjoyed it then give yourself a pat on the back and if you didn't enjoy it blame the person who wrote the review asking for it and i'll say i, I just one last bit is uh if you could if you've been enjoying the show as always please leave a review as we've talked about this, how this episode happened, uh, it helps other people find the show and it just kind of helps keep this train rolling so that we can, you know, spread the, spread the good word about Pokemon and science. And hey, if you didn't notice, did you guys, did you guys see any of those giraffe dice? Oh yeah, the giraffe dice. Those are awesome. Special someone bought me some and I love them. They're adorable. I know they were sponsoring all like the network stuff, but they're gorgeous. If you haven't checked out their Pokemon dice. So if you want to bring an extra bit of flair into your, or an extra bit of, Flareon into your next game. Go ahead and get some of them dice. Now, we hope to see you guys again. Principal Madison, we will definitely be having you back as many times as we can. We'll see you next time on the next episode. Have a wonderful day or night. Goodbye, everybody. Mm-hmm.